This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. All right, all right. So I'm going to be honest with you right up front here. This episode might be considered a little bit self-indulgent. But, uh, you know, listen, I think this could be actually a lot of fun for both of us. So, you know, I, I'm going to take the opportunity. This this episode is coming out on a Christmas Eve here, Christmas Eve 2018, for those of you listening in real time. And for those of you who celebrate Christmas, you're probably not listening to this in real time. However, I want to take the opportunity to, you know, maybe give a little gift to myself and maybe even a gift to you by exploring one of my old compositions that uses a lot of non-functional harmony. And uh, I think if we could just explore this, I'm going to learn a little bit about my own composition, and maybe you'll learn something along the way too. So, you know, this could be a fun one. Let's dig into this. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. All right, what's up everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos, all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. And like I said, I'm going to be digging into one of my compositions. Maybe it's a self-indulgent episode. I'm not sure. I do think this could be very helpful for all of us to look into some non-functional harmony, some non-functional harmony. And when I talk about non-functional harmony, uh, I mean that... In general, I focus on studying on this podcast and learn jazz standards in general on jazz standards. And usually most jazz standards that I cover have functional harmony, meaning that they are diatonic to a key center, right? They circle around the key of concert C major or B flat major, and maybe they go to some other keys. There's a key change somewhere, but they still function around that new key center change. But when I'm talking about non-diatonic harmony, non-functional harmony, I mean that it's kind of hard to pin down in the song exactly where the tonic is. And maybe there is a tonic or maybe there are tonics but they don't necessarily stick to it. And that's where modern jazz really has a big influence on non-functional harmony, okay? And there are different, I mean, everybody has their opinion about modern jazz or has their opinion about, you know, art, art music in general. And, you know, some people do not like that kind of harmony and some people do. Uh, I think in this particular case, I've, and I'll talk a little bit about the composition process here, that... I think as long as you have a really strong melody, then really whatever chords you want, you can start filling in the gaps there. And as long as they make sense with each other, you can make a lot of great music out of them. And when I say make sense, it doesn't necessarily need to relate to a key center. It just needs to re relate to the melody that you're playing and have a good motion towards the next chord, okay? We'll talk a little bit more about that. So the composition, um, I think I wrote it five years ago or so, um, and it's called Elliot, and I named it after 
the song, uh, the artist that it that kind of reminded me of that I was influenced by at the time, who's uh, Elliot Smith, who was an incredible singer songwriter. Um, he was kind of based out of the Pacific Northwest area, um, and unfortunately, he passed away. But he is—he's um, still actually to this day one of my favorite singer-songwriters. So check him out, Elliot Smith. And anyways, I wrote this song kind of keeping his vibe in mind, so I called it Elliot. And I'm going to be linking the the sheet music to this so you can follow along if you'd like at the show notes today. So that's going to be learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 147. So forward slash episode 147. And if you want, you can follow along with me. And if you're not able to follow along with me right now, you're also going to you know, have fun probably just listening to this and my commentary. And I think you're going to get something out of it too. But you can also go check out that sheet music there. So I'm going to kind of play a solo rendition of it. And then at the end, I'm going to play this demo recording. It's not the it's the mixes. It's, it could be better, right? But I mean, I'm going to play a little demo recording with a trio or it's a quartet, just so that you can get an idea. Again, I recorded it like five years ago, but just so you can get the idea of it. So anyways, without further ado, let's jump right into this thing. All right, so here it is. This is Elliot, uh, and I'm going to just play a little solo rendition of it. So you can hear what it sounds like. Here it is. Right, so there was my composition, Elliot. So if you heard it, you know it sounds moody for sure, right? It's a, it's a moody tune, and it sounds uh, has a little bit of blues in it, you know, right? But it's not the blues that you would you would think, right? Because we're using non functional harmony, very modern jazz here. Um, but it has the blues in it, right? It has the blues there. You heard it, so. When I start thinking about writing a composition, and again, I'm not a prolific composer, 
but usually where I start is a bit of inspiration. And so, like I said, the inspiration for this tune was from Elliot Smith. And I just listening to a lot of his music and hearing him play, like he has such a very distinct vibe. So obviously I'm not able to replicate his vibe exactly if you listen to his music, but it's coming from my perspective. You know, that's where all composition starts is a perspective on something and especially when you're influenced by something else. So this is really my perspective on how I feel, I suppose, when I'm listening to Elliot Smith. And you might be hearing right away that when I write music, I usually start on a very emotional level. Um, That's just who I am personally. I don't necessarily start writing music thinking about, oh, I want to use this particular chord progression or anything like that. I usually start with the melody every single time. So if I remember correctly, when I was writing this song, I was still dating my wife, who is now my wife. I was dating my girlfriend, who's now my wife. (laughs) And I was um, in her room and I was messing around on my guitar and I just started playing... Okay, just that simple melody. And I was like, oh, that sounds kind of nice. So. Okay, and then I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Where is that coming from? It's coming from E minor, right? So if you look at the sheet music, again, I have it on the show notes, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 147. It starts on an E minor, right? And this is obviously great for guitarists because E minor, you have all those open strings you're probably hearing when I did the solo rendition. So I started pairing that melody with the chords. And then I thought, what what chords do I put there? And I thought, hey, let's put, let's put an E flat seven sharp nine. Okay, now that sounds weird, right? You might think like, where did I come up with that? Like, how did I come up with that? And honestly, the honest truth is it just sounded good to me. It just sounded, I tried it and it just sounded good to me. Now, if you want to really analyze that, you know, you could almost think of it instead of going to an A7, which would be like the dominant, like four, I guess, of E minor seven, right? I don't know, but that's, that's probably not even the right way to look at it, right? That's where we're talking about non-functional harmony. You could think of that E flat seven sharp nine as like a tritone substitution, right? If you wanted to. All we know though is when we hit that E flat seven sharp nine, we have a state of tension. So we're gonna have to resolve that eventually. So then the melody goes. And then I still choose not to resolve it because then I let on this D flat seven sharp nine so like a whole step down from e flat seven sharp nine so okay this is where that blues is coming in right with these d flat seven sharp nine very bluesy line now the key here is that whenever you're writing a tune and whatever chords you want to use they have to be going in a certain direction so you'll see that in bar four, or at least you hear, hear that, in bar four, I resolve to a C major seven. So essentially, you can almost think that this four bar phrase here, it's all leading us towards C major seven. And C major seven, right? C major seven is like the sixth chord. It's like the sixth chord in, in a minor key. So you could think of it as the major six in E minor seven, right? That's That's one way that you could go about thinking about it. So the direction that we're moving in is 
E minor 7, down a half step of the bass note to E flat, right, with that sharp 9, then down a whole step to that D flat 7 sharp 9, so the D flat's the bass, and then resolve a half step to C major 7. So you're going to see this happen time and time again, is that I'm going descending with the bass lines, right? And sometimes it's very chromatic, like half of that was chromatic, and some of it went down in whole steps, right? I mean, half steps and whole steps, not necessarily chromatic. And then there's that C major 7. Now, I keep things changing the mood in this song. So then I transition that C major 7 to a C minor 7. So we have... And then I go... Okay, there's that C major 7. Right? And then I land on the flat 3, which makes it a C minor 7. And then I resolve to a G minor 7. Right? Now, G minor 7, don't even try to connect it to the E minor. Don't even try to connect it to the quote-unquote tonic, which is we're starting on E minor, which is definitely the home base of the song. E minor is the home base. But G minor, that doesn't have anything to do with the, the, the key of... E minor necessarily, right? So really, I'm just changing into this dark feeling here. We're going from C minor 7 to G minor 7, right? So it almost feels like G minor 7 for a second is the new tonic or the new one chord. But you see how I just switched moods? It, it felt like it was going into this, you know, state of tension here. And then C major 7, maybe a little bit of hope, a little bit of resolution, but then ah, C minor 7, something's taking a twist here to G minor 7. Now everything's dark, right? So the mood of the song so far is pretty dark. And then I do this little trick where I'm going to try to approach G major 7. I'm going to turn that G minor 7 into G major 7. But I'm going to do it by, again, taking these bass note movements to arrive there. So I go... hit the a7 sus4 so it's almost like a mystery it sounds like mystery to me that's g minor 7 a7 sus4 okay so i jumped up a whole step with the bass note there and then i'm going a half step down to a flat minor 7 next so it goes That's the A flat minor seven. Okay, half step down this chromatic movement that I'm gonna lead into G major seven flat five. Right? So I'm getting back to the G major seven flat five. Now we can think of the G major technically if you want to try to bring that back to E minor seven. That's technically the three chord in the key of E minor. G major is the three chord, but we are putting a flat five on there. Alright? So Okay, you're going to notice this theme come up time and time again in this song, like I just mentioned. Everything's moving in this descending baseline motion, whether it's half steps or whole steps, but it's bringing us to a different place, a different mood, right? So like I said, we went from that slightly hopeful C major 7 to that twist to C minor 7, and then we're like down in a pit in the G minor 7. But then we go to that slightly mysterious A7 sus4. And then down a half step to A flat minor 7. Here that just changes the mood. And then because I'm actually actually really playing an A flat minor 11, that's what's in the melody. 
keeping that that uh, that eleventh of the A flat minor seven there in the voicing, which is the flat five of the G major seven. So it keeps that mysterious sound. Okay, now we move into what I would consider the the B section of the song, if you will, and this is where we go to E minor major seventh chord. I have E minor six, unfortunately, on the on the chart here, but it should be E minor major seven. Then it goes. That's the G major seven flat five. Okay, so now we have this extra mysterious sound here. It's dark, and keep this in mind because I'm going to do something to change this in a second when we come back to this chord. So this E minor major 7 flat 5 mystery, again, we're kind of in a dark place here. Now I'm going to use this technique where I'm going to go completely chromatically downwards with those bass notes. So that's E flat minor 7 right there. Okay, so I went from one minor 7th chord, but had a major 7 in there, to a, whoops, an E flat minor 7. Now I'm going to relieve this tension a little bit with a major chord. So half step down from E flat minor 7, D major 7. Uh, let's see. That's a D major 7. And then I'm going to go half step down to D flat minor 7. That's right, chromatically, chromatically down. That's C major seven. So here's the motion. It's E minor seven major uh, E minor major seven to E flat minor seven, half step down, then D major seven, then D flat minor seven, C major seven. So it's almost like I'm alternating major seventh and minor seventh chords there, right? Even that E minor seven our E minor major seven, it still has that major seven. So it's giving this effect that we're switching off with major sevenths to minor sevenths. Major seventh, minor seventh, major seventh. Okay? Interesting, right? Um, okay. Then I'm going to go back to this. It's going to feel like I'm going to go back to this next section here where I would land on that E minor major seven, but this time I'm not because I want to bring a little bit more hope to this song. So I'm going to this time play an E major nine, right? So before it was, and now I'm going E major nine. Ooh, a little hopeful, right? We don't have that that we don't have that flat three in there anymore. And then I'm going to repeat that melody line, which so far we haven't really talked about the melody. We'll, we'll do a little talking about that in a second. Okay, now we're at E. Uh, now we're at D major thirteen. So this is like going a whole step down with the chord, right? So we went from a D major nine to a D major thirteen or D major nine, whatever voicing. But the thirteenth is in the melody. Oops. Okay, now this is the D flat seven. Here's where I'm bringing the blues back in here. Okay, so that's just a half step down, D flat seven. Okay, now we're a half step down to a major seventh chord, C major seventh. And then again, I'm gonna hit now a really strong five chord to go back to the top of the form again. Uh, messing up there, B7. <laughs> that's the B7 sharp five that I'm playing there. Okay, so again, just to recap the B section there, 
It's this chromatic movement, alternating major seventh chords and minor seventh chords. Then I come around to the second, uh, the second take on that, the second four bars of the B section. It starts with an E major nine to a D major thirteen to a D flat seven, bringing the blues in. Half step down to C major seven, half step down to a B seven sharp five. So you could think of all of this as a bunch of different uh, tritone substitutions, but you know, really, it's just I'm thinking about it as descending bass movements, creating tension and releasing it. That's what I'm thinking about when I was writing this song and really just hearing it in my head. Okay, now we're going to go almost back to what I would say is the C section, which is sort of repeating a bit of the A, but we're going to conclude the song now. So it goes back to E minor 7. Right, we just hit that 5 chord, the B7. So now we're at... Right, the main theme... And again, we hit the E flat seven sharp nine. Right, the D flat seven sharp nine. And another way to think about this too is you could think about this as a tritone sub of a G713, which leads into that C major seven that comes next. But that doesn't sound cool or funky or anything. But when you have that D flat seven sharp nine, resolving to that C major seven is way more hip. Okay, so this is the C section. That's a C major 7. I'm going to conclude the song now, so then I'm going to go to a D major 9. So just a whole step up. And then a half step down back to that D flat 7 sharp 9. So I'm referencing that D flat 7 sharp 9 again. Because your ear's expecting me to go back to that C major 7 again, right? It's, it's expecting me to go... Right? And then to the C major 7. Like, repeat that line again. But I don't do that. I repeat that line, the melody line again, but I change up the chord. In fact, you'll see that I have an F7, F7 alt in there that leads into an F major 7. And the melody is still the same. D minor 7 and then it resolves on a B minor 11 which you know that's like the minor 5 of the D, the E minor 7 chord so again if we're like really trying to relate all this all to the tonic it's really not the best way to do that and again the quote unquote tonic is E minor 7 it's the home base and you can relate some of the chords back to it but it would be a little confusing to try to do so right it would be confusing so again that last section there goes D flat seven sharp nine and then and then an F sharp seven alt that's F major seven and you also if you're looking at the chart you'll see I do this uh, chromatic or this not chromatic but this walking bass line thing so walking down to a an F over E to a D minor seven bass note D minor with a C in the bass to B minor 11. So the bass notes sound like this. Right? Resolving to that B minor 11. So that's just a little technique I'm using just to create a little bit of movement in the bass to resolve down to where I want to go. Basically, I'm going from that F major 7th to B minor 11. So I'm just connecting it with some bass notes to make that happen. 
All right. Now, I know it's a confusing song, especially if you're not looking at the chart. It could be a little confusing. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is so that that's the harmony. And again, the harmony is really in, informed by the melody. You probably hear a lot of common reoccurring themes coming up time and time again. And the melody is technically not that complicated. And I base all the chord changes off the melody. And how did I come up with the chords? I would just play the melody line and then think, hmm, what sounds really strong over that? Or what makes sense? And so a lot of times the harmony is thinking, okay, let's move in these stepwise descending bass motions, sometimes in whole steps, sometimes in half steps, right? And let's see if we can connect all these chords together so that they sound good while still influenced by the melody, right? And again, some choices I made were to change the mood. We talked about the beginning when we go from that C major 7 to the C minor 7 to the G minor 7. I'm bringing it darker. And then the A7 sus4 is mystery. A flat minor 7 makes it sound like it's going to go somewhere. G major 7 flat 5 makes this feeling of an unresolved, then more unresolved with the E minor major 7. But then we're moving somewhere with the E flat, the e flat minor 7, then the hope of the D major 7 confusion of the D minor 7 and the slight resolve of the C major 7 and then the real hope of the E major 9 so I mean you get where I'm going with this but all of it is influenced by the melody the melody came first for me and then the chords and I wasn't worrying about how does this chord relate to the tonic I was worrying about does it make sense with the direction it's moving in and does it fit with the melody that's all I was really caring about Okay, and just really quick about the melody, you know, coming up with the melody was just as simple as starting with that main theme. When I hit that note, I was like, oh, it's moving somewhere. So then I probably started adding some chords to see where would this go. So sometimes I'm combining the chords with the melody, but mostly I'm just coming up with the melody, like what's a great melody? What sounds good? Not how many notes can I play, but what's something that Elliot Smith would sing? That's what I was thinking in my head the whole time. I was influenced by Elliot Smith. What kind of stuff would he sing? All right, so I hope this was somewhat interesting to you. I'm gonna play this demo recording of this. It's not well mixed. It The guitar sounds a little funny to me. But I'll just play the head. We won't go through all the solos and stuff. Just so you can kind of hear sort of what sounds like a band. And hopefully I'll record this in the future like with a, like for real and like make it a really uh, good mastered recording. All this stuff. Record some other compositions. Come out with an album. But um, this, is, this is just so you can get another context for the song. So here it is.
All right, all right. So we'll call it there. So that's just so you can get a little bit of a context of how the song sounds. So um, if I were to give you a call to action for this episode, it would be, you know, what kind of song can you create that doesn't necessarily follow the quote-unquote diatonic rules, right? You know, we talk a lot about jazz standards and functional harmony here, um, but how can we start thinking outside the box there and like try different things? And really it comes down to experimenting. So what I'd love for you to try today is... Uh, this week, perhaps, is is to really just try to create a song. It doesn't have to be long, but create a song that defies some of the rules that you're used to. Now, I know this might be a little over the head of a lot of people listening right now. I mean, some of you, this will resonate, but you know, maybe give it a try. Give it a try no matter where you're at. See what you can come up with. A lot of creating great music, to me, is being willing to make mistakes, right? It's just being willing to try different things and see what comes out of it. And from that you start learning things. You even start learning things about functional harmony, like jazz standards, right? And you know, uh, one more thing I'm going to say to conclude this episode is I do not think I would be able to write a piece of music like this if I did not understand jazz standards really well. Like if I didn't understand how jazz standards worked, if I didn't understand functional harmony, I don't think I would have created a song like this. Like I'm not so sure that you know, if I was just a rock musician or a pop musician, like no at all, uh, no, I'm not saying anything negative about rock and pop musicians at all. I'm just saying, I don't, if I just studied that kind of music, I don't think I would have been able to come up with something like this, you know, for better or for worse. Right. But that's just something to think about, right? The more we understand jazz harmony and jazz standards, the more we're able to understand the different possibilities that we have in front of us, all right? So that's my challenge to you. Try something this week. Compose a song that defies the norms of functional harmony. All right, that's all for today's episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening, for tuning in. Hope you got something out of that and uh, for letting me indulge myself there just a little bit. And hey, by the way, if this is something that's like, wow, this is way over my head, Brian. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, forget about me trying to write a song with non-functional harmony. Then definitely check out my ebook, The Jazz Standards Playbook. You can go to thejazzstandardsplaybook.com. And that's a book that really goes through 10 important jazz standards. And if you know these 10 jazz standards, you can learn really any jazz standard. And not only that, it really hips you to what functional jazz harmony is all about, which is, like I said, the foundation and the starting point for really creating any music like what I've just described or what we just went over today. All right, so that's the Jazz Standards Playbook dot com. And as I always ask, if you got value out of this or any of the episodes from Learn Jazz Standards podcast, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave a kind rating and review helps other people find this. this is a great end of the year gift by the way if you just want to give back a little bit just a simple way you could do that is just say something nice on itunes wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a nice uh, five-star rating so thanks so much for taking the time to do that and next week uh we have another episode and again for those who are listening in real time and who are not you know replay listeners um, which is most people. But if you're going to listen next week, that's going to be on New Year's Eve. So not a popular day to listen to podcasts, but it's going to be a fun one. I'm going to be looking back on Learn Jazz Standards, the year, everything we did. And we're going to be going over the top five podcast episodes that happened this year by download. So I'm going over some stats and why those were great episodes. And we'll remind you to go check out some if you haven't already. And I'm also going to tell you my two personal favorite episodes of 2018 and some other stuff that's going to happen in 2019. So stay tuned with me next time and I'll see you back then. Hope you have a happy holidays, everybody. See you later. 
Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.